The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the monthly guest Dharma series. Welcome. Welcome. Isn't this beautiful? This place beautiful. It's just—it's a great place. Um, I didn't put a lot of effort into it, but it's. Uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with Common Ground, and I'm very impressed with the people that work here. So. You know, people start saying, oh, it's an honor to be here, but I, I really feel that being here, it's, uh, um, it's a privilege and, and really an honor to be in, in a place where I've met so many dedicated and kind, kind people. Um, so it's nice to be here. I was thinking about, you know, on the plane, I was like, oh, what should I talk about? And um, I think I want to talk about letting go because... When I used to listen about Dharma talks about letting go, I used to get really annoyed. I'm like, kind of letting go, letting go. Like, like, <laughs> I was like, letting go of what? Like, what, what exactly? Like, what does that mean? And also mindfulness, mindfulness, mindfulness. What does that, you know, what does that mean? And uh, I was at Whole Foods and there was some mindful magazine and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> mindful magazine and, and, you know, when Buddhism or the Dharma, and they say, oh, in the West is meeting with science and it's meeting with psychotherapy, it's also meeting with materialism. And so you can, you can use religion as a hobby, which I've done. You can be really good at spirituality. You know, you read the books, you go to the retreats, and it's a hobby, and it's, it's a wholesome hobby. Or it can be an intellectual pursuit. And so I've done that. I used to love studying Pali. Pali is the, uh, the language where the Theravada Buddhist scriptures are written. And it's very delicious to me. Like, all these words are really interesting to me. You know, it, like, um, like even citta, mind, heart. You know, and, and there are concepts like, um, that we don't have in Western languages. Or things that describe, you know, like sunyata, which is emptiness. Or, uh, this thing of non-self. And people say, oh, the Buddhist doctrine of non-self. Well, that's not a doctrine, it's a description. But it can get, you know, if you go into the brain, it can get um, confusing or it just doesn't make sense. And so someone just before uh, uh, coming to this meditation said, how long have you been practicing? And I was like, I don't know. When do I start to count? Because when I was a kid, I was really interested in also, like, six years old, and I had all these questions, and I had all these, and I was raised Catholic in El Salvador, and my grandma used to pray the rosary with her friends, and she would just shine afterwards, because when you do japa meditation, or, or you repeat things, your nervous system calms down, and I think that's what was happening, you know, these women would get together, light their candle, pray to the Virgin Mary, and she's fabulous, right, and so they, you know, they would get really happy, and so... I don't know when to count. Um, at 17, I paid some money and I learned transcendental meditation at the U of M. And I did it 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. I would not miss. I would just do the meditation. Then, started being interested in monasticism. And so, um, when I was a monk, you know, like, Okay, so I went to graduate school, and you do certain things, you get an A or a B, and, and then you get a piece of paper at the end. And for me, it wasn't as, as, as simple as saying, if I do this, I will get enlightened. But there was a little bit of that. 
If I do the right things, then I will wake up. If I follow the recipe, especially in Buddhism, there's so many lists. You know, the seven factors of enlightenment, and I, it's always lists. If I do this, then I will, me in the future, will become enlightened. So my teacher, Ajahn Sumedho, used to always say, that's not how it works. Mindfulness is the path to the deathless. And I was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense in my lived experience. But now that the last two years or so, some things are making a lot of sense and there's something settling and there's something, there's an understanding that I'm, uh, that is happening that is new. Now I'm going to share with you a few of those things and I'm going to share some of my opinions. When, when something is my opinion, take it or leave it, it doesn't really matter, right? And there are some things that are just experience. Um, for example, this, this mudra meditation stuff. I was quite in the closet for about five years because it, it, it just kind of happened that my hands would start voguing, you know, during meditation, right, on my own. I was like, and then I would open them and I was like, oh, I look like a Buddha Rupa, you know, like a, this is a Buddha Rupa. Rupa means body. And so then I started reading about it and like, this is the fearlessness mudra. You just put your hands like that. And that's, or you have, you know, the touching the earth mudra. Like, there's all these, and the Tibetans have whole books of illustrations. And in the Theravada tradition, no one has ever taught me this. Uh, Yoga Journal had a, a thing about it. And so I mention it because sometimes, uh, you know, my teacher started doing the sound of silence, which is Hindus have been doing this for quite a while. But he just sat there and he hears the high pitched nose and he meditates on it. And then he teaches it. So if something happens to you where you start seeing a nice light, I don't know, a blue light, go for it. In the Theravada tradition, there are 40 meditation objects. And some of them are discs of color. Or looking at a fire. Or looking at earth. Or looking at water. So I go to Lake Superior and I look at that water and I just feel really nice. You know? Sometimes people look at fire and we've been doing this for thousands of years. species. That your mind calms down. And so what I'm getting to is that, you know, there's all these things that we can do. We can read, we can go to retreats, we can discuss. And what's the point of it? And the point of it is, is letting go. And then the question is, so letting go of what? And what I've been experiencing recently is what my teacher was talking about for many years. And I was, you know, 25, a monk, sit there, play monk. Actually, I was, I was pretty sincere. But... Um, a lot of the stuff he would talk about, I was like, I just, I wish I could connect, I just don't. You know? He would talk about it and be like, intuitive awareness. Like, it sounds really nice. <laughs> and you know, when I paint, there's something where, there's no chattering and, and I can observe. But now there's something happening where the stuff, the Dhamma talks that he was talking about are starting to make sense. So I'm going to try to share a little bit about that because... Um, one of the things I've been thinking about, too, in my own practice is how many books do I need to read? <laughs> how many Dharma talks? And I still listen, you know, um, I don't know if any of you know, uh, Rick Archer has this thing called uh, Buddha at the Gas Pump. Has anyone heard? So Buddha at the Gas Pump, um, he interviews people that, just regular people that have, or say that they are awake. So you have Adya Shanti, who's really popular in the Coast, and then you have just regular people, and I, I listen to that when I'm sometimes cleaning, 
maybe like a lady, like, I talk to animals. And, you know, she talks about her, she's awake, because she talks to animals. Or, um, so it's not like I'm saying don't read, like, I, you know, I still listen to it, but now in my practice, it's like, really, what's the point? What, why am I doing this? And um, since I was very young, sometimes I wake up with this anxiety, and, and it registers in my upper body. And I say, like, what? Like, why am I feeling anxious? Like, I wanted to know the reason, first of all. Because maybe if I know the reason, I can do something about it. And it still happens to me that I wake up sometimes. And last year, uh, so I'm the first art teacher at that school. They gave me an empty room a week before school started and said, go. $2,000 for 100 kids, and we had no chairs. We had no board, no internet, no art materials. How do you teach art, right? So I was like, it was very stressful. I didn't have any lesson plans. So sometimes I would wake up with this anxiety. And I was like, okay, let's work with it. Um, when I was living in, Mini- in Minneapolis, when I ever felt that, I discovered that if I went to a sauna or a steam room, I would just fry myself so that the anxiety would go away. Okay. Now, what's happening is I wake up, because I still don't know the reason for it. You know, I wake up and I'm feeling this yucky feeling. But now there's a change. It's I'm mindful of the, first, I'm mindful of the anxiety. Two, I'm mindful of the way that I don't like it. And three, I'm not demanding that it goes away. And that's a big thing. Because I used to think, I went to Ajahn Sumedho, my teacher, right? And I'm like, you know, I wake up with this anxiety. And he said to me, just be mindful of it. I was so mad. Really? <laughs> really? That's what you're going to tell me? The answer to everything is just just be mindful. And so it's taken, I don't know, 12 years to understand. Here's the anxiety. Here's the I don't like it. And I don't have to change the I don't like it. It's revolutionary to me. <laughs> like, I'm not liking this. And I don't know how many times I heard, you know, of the experiences, you can like something, you can not like something, or you can be indifferent or neutral. But I still had something about me, like, I want to change this. And so the letting go that I'm experiencing is like, no. Really, really being in the present. And not demanding enlightenment to be, like, I should think, if I'm going to get enlightened, like, I don't know, I want to levitate and have, like, rays coming out of my hair. Like, that would be fun, you know? Like, like what's the point of doing all this work if you're not going to get, like, something out of it? You know? Like, I wanted some glamorous enlightenment, you know? Like, no, I'm serious. Like, I, I honestly, I was like, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be so much fun to be enlightened. <laughs> and that's why, you know, why that's why the Buddha was teaching, because enlightenment, blah, blah, blah. But I've used the Four Noble Truths, the first discourse of the Buddha, as the main text that guides my life. And um, Google is great, right? You just put first discourse of the Buddha and you get it. And I've used it in so many ways. And now the way that I'm using it is really suffering is a key. Like that's what allows you to open up. Why? Why would the Buddha put this emphasis on dukkha, this word, this word that means that which is yucky, right? What, the most mundane thing. 
all of us feel this suffering. It doesn't matter how pretty you are or how rich you are or how poor you are. We always have something. And we're in a society where a lot of the time we pretend that we don't. And so it can be really isolating. Or we glamorize it. American culture is like, I was so poor and now look at me, I'm a success. In other cultures it's like, oh, I'm going to hide how difficult my childhood was. I'm going to pretend to be something else. We don't talk about that. But I was abused as a child and now I'm great or I suffer this and so you or we can take the suffering and, and not work with it, but but it, it becomes a status symbol. I, my bootstraps were there, and I just pulled them, although, you know, my childhood... Who didn't have a difficult childhood? It's kind of rare to find people. And the ones that don't might be like, oh, I feel so guilty that my childhood was so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But this letting go, you know, the... Um, the Christian tradition, a moment of grace, the moment when forgiveness happens, is a letting go. I remember the instant that I forgave my father. Like, it is so clear. He did some very unskilled things. But I, you know, I, I put myself in, what would it be like to be in my 30s, in a country that's in a civil war, with these two kids, my brother and I, that he didn't raise, we just kind of went, my mother had to be a refugee, so we went to live with him. He didn't know how to raise preteen boys. But something happened where, like, the casting of demons that people talk about, I just felt like these demons, just like, I forgave him. And it happened. Right? And so now when I look at all these religions and when they talk about angels or whatever, my, the question that I have now is, what does this have to teach me? What is it? What is it? What is this mythology? What is this stuff? And sometimes I use it, and if I can't find anything, that I'm like, okay, it's just a nice story. Gratitude. So my monk's name was Katanyuto, which means one who feels gratitude. Gratitude is an excellent example of mindfulness. Right? I can wipe my own butt. And there's going to be a time when I'm old where that may not be a... You know, this is something that came up to me. Like, sometimes there's weird things. Like, I'm just grateful. I can wipe my own butt. <laughs> or I would tell my students, you know, because I used to work with very affluent kids here in the Twin Cities. We move one finger and we have light. We move our wrist and we have clean water. And we poop on drinking water. Most of the world doesn't have clean water, and so you reflect on the daily things that you have. Right? The cliche, like, don't take things for granted. But really, you know, if you take, like, I can breathe right now. And as things, and as you lose things, to be grateful of the past. I was just diagnosed with sleep apnea. And so I was telling the sleep apnea people, why is sleep apnea so common? I now I've been meeting all these people that have it. They're like, people just live with headaches or they just couldn't sleep. And and so the first time I have to wear this, like, the full mask with, like, this whole thing. And it was this sense of grief. Of like, really, for the rest of my life, I have to sleep with this? But I'm like, ah, stop, stop that. Be thankful that you had so many years without the mask. 
And at that moment, it helped my daily life. It was a letting go. And so now but my mask is something that I'm grateful for. Because of this horrible mask, I actually can sleep. You see, and so it's turning it, it's playing with it, it's, it's working with it, and, and how do you turn these teachings alive for you? How do you make it happen? And if you're new, you know, it's, it's really looking at your suffering, the fact that all of us do it, and then there's something too that I used to hear. There's no difference between wisdom and compassion. Like, that sounds so pretty. I just don't really know what it means. I mean, I mean, just honestly, like, what does that mean? But now it makes sense. It makes sense. When you come to the point where uh, you're less judgmental, there's a lot of unskillful things that happen in the world. And you say, that guy, that suffers. Like, I met, you know, liberal people. Oh, the Fox News. Those people suffer too. <laughs> and you know we can we can be um, stuck in our opinions and all of that. And um, so, I want to talk about again because the big letting go could be death. But sometimes things happen in our lives. You know, the death of a loved one or a shock. Or an enlightenment experience uh, where you could have... When I was 16, I, I had what was called... Uh, you have to know, I, I don't really talk about all this stuff. But since I get invited to talk, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to talk about whatever comes up. But it was a single psychotic episode. And what happened is my view of reality changed. I had, you know, I was hallucinating. I've never taken drugs. Um, but I had this experience. It was in the middle of winter, it was in December, and I was just walking on the street with no coat on, just feeling a lot of just heat. And then started to snow, and I could every snowflake was a drum beat. There were all these weird things happening, and I was like, oh, I'm God! <laughs> was what I, you know, like all of a sudden, it's like, like, whoa, I'm God! Like, that's what I was thinking, and so I was put in a mental institution. Because that's what we do with young people when that happens. Um, Many, many years later, I read Joseph Campbell had written an article about single psychotic episode in teenagers and how in other cultures they would just send you to a shaman and guide you through it. Didn't have any of that. They injected me with uh, antipsychotic drugs. But that was a different kind of letting go. So um, for the next six minutes... I want to turn to somebody that maybe you haven't met. Introduce yourself. Um, first, say, you know, why are you here specifically tonight? Like, what brought you here? And um, maybe make a comment of anything that is making sense that I'm talking about or share a little bit of a letting go uh, that has happened with you. Find sometimes that, you know, when you talk to stuff, and sometimes it just helps to be like, he's really annoying. I wish Mark were here. <laughs> Sometimes if you just say it, you just kind of calm down. So anyway, I'm going to give you six minutes um, to just turn to somebody, introduce yourself, say hi. Hi. I can meet up with you. Hi. I, 
like the easy part of coming down. How am I doing? <laughs>
let's come back. One of the triple gems is community, right? So it's nice to sometimes make a connection and be like, oh, hi, you know, it's good. Um, I've been to places where everything's so serious and so, you know, and uh, sometimes you have to just kind of say hi. Um, so nice to talk. It's good. Yeah. Hi. Um, EBMC, where I go, the, e, the East Bay Meditation Center, um, this teacher I like, and she does this. And I can say hi to, hi to the neighbor, you know. And, um, so that's why I did that. Um, I think what I want to leave you with is that um, the more and more I practice, the less I buy into the notion of a mature practitioner and a beginner practitioner and a you know, like there are retreats for mature practitioners and you have to show in your resume that you've had three retreats plus this, plus, you know. And there is a place for that because sometimes um, there are people that have been practicing for a long time and they don't want to hear the same words over and over again. And sometimes um, you want to study philosophy at a level that is higher or you, um, you know, want to talk about certain kind of meditation that, like death contemplation. It's probably not something that you want to start with. <laughs> I mean, it might be. It might be we all die. And so it might be, but, but sometimes it could be really a turnoff. You know, if you've been here for the first time, we're going to meditate on death. It's like, so sometimes you need a, a you know, mature practitioner. It's fine. But um, in Buddhist lore, they talk about past lives. So who knows, right? That 14-year-old could have been a meditation master. Um, thing with past lives, I, I neither believe it or not believe it. I, I, even when I was at the U, I went to a past life workshop and I had three past lives that were very clear. But to be honest, I can't say to you, yep, I know for sure. I just don't. But for many, many years, I've been using past life as, as a way to understand my own life. So that way I explain to my teenagers is that when I was three years old, my body was different. My thoughts were different. My emotions were different. So what was the same from 3 to 43? What's the, what? It's a past life. And what happened to that 3-year-old is affecting me now. And the karma of that 3-year-old is not my fault or my privilege. It just happened to that 3-year-old. So whatever trauma that happened, then it's fine. So if you go to a hypnotherapist and you have past lives of when, you know, a thousand years ago, then that could also be very useful. And it doesn't matter what's true or not. If it's useful, it's a way, use it as a tool to let go. Because that's what's fun, is these little moments of enlightenment, like this um, being around. Like I experience it now, it's so alive for me right now. But I just said, do you have something for a headache? I still have a little bit of a headache. And it's okay. You know, being on planes and, uh, you know, traveling. There's something that's happening in my system now where I'm becoming really okay with the present moment. And it's taken a lot of years and a lot of Dharma talks. 
and to be and to really celebrate all those moments of letting go. I've been doing that for a while, you know. Like um, I was very self-righteous, like I'm not going to learn to drive until I'm 40. And then they changed all the bus routes in the Twin Cities. <laughs> and so I was 32 when I learned to drive. And, and, you know, and I wasn't a good driver. And people would honk at me and yell at me. And, and, and then I would do the same thing. And after a while, I'm like, if that happens, I'm just going to call them darling. <laughs> like, darling, there's a stop sign. <laughs> and so that's a way of, you know, of like letting go of that traffic madness for me. Because I was, you know, I was kind of like so tense. It's like, just call him darling. <laughs> or with oppression, you know, I worked as a diversity director. And so, oh, having to deal with the isms of, you know, sexism and racism can get so heavy. So how do you let go with the fact that we live in a world where there's so much injustice? You can be paralyzed. And... Uh, and just understand that with whatever hand we get dealt with, we, you know, we, we work with it. Well, in the Bay Area, right, I go to these um, gay men of color meditator group. Right? It's very specific. <laughs> if you had vegan bowling league, I don't know. <laughs> but it's been amazing. You know, to live my whole life with people that are not like me and to all of a sudden be in a room, you know, when I go once a month. And these are, for the most part, fairly educated. These gay men of color and the, the healing that has happened in, in being in a place or, or EBMC when they have the people of color meditation things. That healing is a way of letting go. Like there's something that happens and, and I experienced it as that. It's like, I didn't do it. The letting go happened. And I remember that Catholic thing of when you're empty, God gives you grace or the grace of God comes in. That stuff makes sense to me now. A lot of Christian stuff, it's like, oh, it's a different way of saying something. And, uh, and I've never been anti-Catholic and I, I have a friend who Calls me that I'm a great Kabu, a Catholic Buddhist. There's been the uh, the Jubus, the Jewish Buddhists, and so on. Um, and to and I think the encouragement is find out how it is that you let go and how it is that you don't. What is it that helps you in that process? Because we can get so sophisticated about teachings and. I have this, you know, uh, teacher or whatever, but at the end of it is here we are, we have this body, these emotions, and then what happens? And, um, and I don't know exactly what, what it is that's been changing. Um, I'm not meditating every single day at the moment, but when I walk to the train, my feet are meditating. I am, I didn't like walking meditation when I was younger, but now, every footstep, I am just on it. I am so present with my footsteps going to the train. And I'm telling you, it's a more, it's a more powerful meditation at the moment for some reason. 
than sitting down on, on the cushion. And I have a $65 organic blah, blah, blah cushion that I got in, in Japantown. Very beautiful safu. Really nice shrine. Yesterday I bought these uh, Bodhi leaves dipped in metal. Like one is gold, silver, and another one's like very pretty shrine. Have candles. And it's all very helpful. And it has been helpful. But at the moment, walking to the train is what's bothering me. And I'm okay with that. There was a time where I would have been like, oh, I'm not meditating. I'm a bad meditator. I'm not a good practitioner. Ah, I don't have time. What are my priorities? Ah. <laughs> no, seriously. And, and, you know, you can be very self-judgmental. Like, I'm not exercising. I'm not, I, you know, I had a couple of injuries. I've gained like 10 pounds. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have the time. I'm so stressed out, whatever, whatever. But I will at some point. Okay, I don't have to put myself down anymore about, you're not working out, you know, it's, um, so I'm, I'm experiencing this change, and also, there's a lot of things in my life that are going well, I'm in a nice relationship, I'm in a, I live in a beautiful part of downtown San Francisco, the weather's very pretty, <laughs> I have good friends, I have great food, I had Senegalese food last night, I mean, it's just, you're in the Bay Area, so lunch was a masala dosa from southern Indian cuisine. So it's it's a very delightful experience. But about two years ago, like my partner and I, we were both unemployed. His son was living with us, and just to get him to take a shower was a big thing. He was going through a horrendous divorce. Came out really late in his life. So I've been thinking, you know, life is different now. That teenager now is at the University of Boulder. I'm fairly healthy, and so how do you practice when you're in heaven? How do you practice when you're in hell? And, where, and those, again, those uh, metaphors, cosmology, all of that can be helpful. And so I've shared a little bit about my life, my practice, just, just to say that, you know, there's ups and downs, and, and all of us, there was this psychotherapist that I loved. She spent her life working with the sons and daughters of Nazi officers with the sons and daughters of Holocaust survivors in groups together, therapy groups together. And she always said, remember, everyone's life is a novel. Everyone's life is a book. So interesting. You know? Cherish your past. And so I'm really very grateful that I'm a practitioner and that I have these tools, and and I'm very happy that I got a chance to spend some time with you. I want to open it up to comments, um, or maybe there's a question that I might be able to address, um, or you can just pose a question to the whole group uh, and make it more of a little discussion or interaction, or if there's anything that I can um, do to perhaps help or encourage. If there's anything that I have said that is inaccurate or offensive, I take full responsibility for that and I, I ask for your forgiveness. It's not my intention to say things that are not skillful. And if there's anything that has been helpful, I want to bring in my teachers and, and the Buddha as, as my inspiration. So, Thank you for your attention.
Just wanted to open it up, see if anybody has any comments or. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. You were mentioning, and I don't think you call this correctly, but I want to say that there is um, like something that you have a problem with or whatever, and then just the layer on top was, I don't like it. It's like, okay, so what? If I understand it correctly, the, the question is, um, I was talking about, you know, I feel something that I don't like, or, you know, the anxiety is what I was talking about, and then there's a layer of, um, I don't like it, and then the question is, then what? And I think that the difference that I have experienced is that I am at peace with the I don't like it. That it's a, that it's a really different experience, that I'm actually not, because the way that I, I wanted to trick practice was, if I'm aware of it, then that will be what pushes it away. And so my point was, now, I don't know if it's going to last three years or my whole lifetime, that anxiety. I'm just being aware of it. And sometimes the I don't like it is not there. It's more like, oh, hi, anxiety, there you are again. And sometimes it's like, I wish I was not feeling like this. And I feel this tension. But on top of it, there is this mindfulness of it. And, I'm, and, and it, it registers as, I'm at peace with it. Does that clarify at all? A little bit? A little bit? What it is, is that, you know, I, I think that many of us are so motivated of get rid of that which you don't like. And, you know, pain is something that's very useful. Obviously, if you're burning yourself, please take your hand off the thing, right? And so it, it, it's, it's built in our systems to try to get rid of pain. That's why we feel physical pain, right? But it can get to the point where um, you can live your whole life not liking the present moment. And so all I'm saying is that the change that I'm noticing now is that there is something above all of, all of that. Like there's something about... And it's cliche, but it's a witnessing. It's really a witnessing of the I don't like, like blah, 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 and not a demand that, it's, that, it, that it be different. I was noticing too, my, my sister has been battling with cancer for a long time. And uh, she was in remission, and then I got that phone call from my mom. And sometimes I get more worried about my mom, but I experience it in those moments too. You know, like my little sister, <coughs> cancer has come back. And there's something that is, that is watching the worry that is mindful of the worry without wanting to push it away so that I'm out of mindfulness. I don't know if this is making any sense, but, but its experience is different. Like I'm, 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 it feels like I'm getting the fruits of practice. 
by this mindfulness, this word it describes something that is 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 um, yeah. really truly just being. And what's funny too that is that in those moments, um, God is love makes sense. What on earth does that mean? As a kid, you know, in Catholics, what does that mean? There's some guy and there's love. And now it's like, with it all, in the moment of mindfulness, when there's nothing else, what's left is love. It's kind of weird. This compassion. If you you like, there's a a really deep sense, a groundedness of reality is actually, it's, it's compassion. It's an experience, and I'm, it's, it's a little bit new, so I don't really know how to explain it. And what's nice, too, about being a teacher of urban teens is they keep me so grounded. They're like, this is hella boring! <laughs> but it's such a nice lesson plan. It's so boring, right? So there's no, there's no way that I can think I'm impressive when I have my, <laughs> my teenage people looking at me. Yeah. Uh, my name is Tommy. Tommy. And I generally don't raise my hand. I generally just listen here. Um, but I was so moved by, by everything you said tonight. And, um, and I felt it in my heart. I feel it in my head. So my head doesn't feel so heavy tonight, even though I came in here with a heavy head. Um, so thank you for that. Um, you know, I brought my inner child, which is my inner anarchist in here tonight. I was prepared for this intense intellectual conversation about Buddhism and and even though I, I want, you know, I wanted to be on, you know, I wanted to be on my best behavior, so I showed up tonight. So, um, but you said so many things. When we got, when, first when you asked us to stand up, I was pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I get it. This is a little control thing going on here. So I was ready to fight. And then I stood up and I thought to myself, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get grounded here. I'm starting to feel the earth underneath my feet. I started to feel the energy that was in my head starting to move through my whole body. And then we started doing those moves. They call mudras. Mudras, I just felt like all of a sudden I felt all of the energy starting to move around my body. I felt really starting to feel really mm-hmm. like the very thing that you talked about tonight was letting go. I started to feel that. Mm-hmm. And, and number one, I really appreciate you sharing your story specifically about your father. It's taken me a long time to let go and forget my father. I didn't grow up in Central America. I grew up in the South Bronx with an Irish father. Sometimes I wish I had your life. But uh, it took me a long time to forgive my father. Yeah. You know, and it, when you talk about it, there are many times in my life where I think I'm at that place where I'm completely let go and forgiving my father. But when you talked about it tonight, there's still those little... Yeah. And, um, and I don't want to run away from that. I don't run away from that anymore. I just said, okay, so there's parts of my life that still need... Yeah. yeah. And I'm grateful that I'm still open to that. Yeah. That I don't need to push it away or run away from it or yeah. try to fix it. Right. That I can breathe into it and um, be at peace with it, like you were talking about tonight. So I really deeply appreciate um, being resistant to the beginning of your offering. Share it and um, thank you for really bringing um, such beautiful energy. Thank you, Tommy, for sharing. Um, 
I can't tell you how many times I've been just really mad about meditation. Like, can they just shut up? You know, like that kind of feeling. Sometimes I've had it. Um, yeah. I also find that forgiveness has this process about it, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it can take a lot of that. But um, thank you for sharing. Just wanted to say about the um, the mudras and the standing up and all of that. Um, I know it's a little quirky, and, and and now I've just told myself, if I don't take the risks, because I know I've been in those experiences where there's a meditation teacher doing some goofy thing, and I'm being annoyed, and I'm like, I, I might annoy somebody. Or, but if that's my experience, that's what I have to share. Yeah. And... Um, I have found in, in Buddhist circles the word prayer doesn't come into play a lot. And I use it in my own world. Like sometimes I just need to pray. And I find that sometimes just changing where my head is at allows me to channel energy that helps me. And so I wanted to show that instead of talking about it, sometimes your body remembers. Like I didn't feel anything. But maybe I'll try it some other time of I'm feeling helpless about helping the Philippines. And I'm just going to think about the Philippines and look up. And sometimes something happens. Or going into, you know, we don't bow as a culture. It's interesting that in yoga, child's pose is a way that people are bowing now. I was going to have you bow, but I was like, too much, too much. But I found that sometimes I still bow, you know, like sometimes I look at um, pictures of Muslims when they bow and that surrender, and I just find it really beautiful. And so sometimes I, I do get into child's pose and get my palms up and, uh, and bring whatever's kind of feeling difficult. Yeah. I have a silly question. I just wanted to know, since you um, because you're asking, you're asking. No, it, you know, I, the, uh, the anxiety I have felt since I was a really young man. And like I said, it, it, there was no reason for it. Like sometimes I can tell, like, yeah, I don't have a lesson plan. I, you know, like last year, like I could tell it's Monday morning. Ah, you know, like, <laughs> like that's an anxiety that, you know, that it would be difficult for me to eat because I'm feeling so angry last year, right? I have no materials, I have no lesson plan, I have teenagers that are going to look at my face, and I'm feeling anxious and I can't eat. Right? So there's that, like I know there's a reason, but there's sometimes I just wake up and I'm like, there it is. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, it's, it's a new, the CPAP is new, the, the machine, so I will see what happens. It's been a minute. Yeah. Hi. Just a very brief um, just given where I am in my life right now and engaging with you, I just really uh, uh, was really inspired by this. It's making me feel like there's a way to go. And I can imagine my future kind of looking different. Than this. Thank you. She just said a wonderful thing. Thank you.
Oh, hi. Hi. Um, I'm, I'm feeling um, a desire for using the body more with meditation. And so um, I was, I'm interested in, you know, where you can, without going to ancient texts, which I would agree, you know, learn more about like the Buddhas and stuff. So you want to read about it? Well, I want to learn it. You know, there's Google is great, right? But I, as, as you tell me that, I would start to experiment. One, because it's free. Um, to really, there are times when um, I would just be in a room, because you really have to be alone, because people are going to think you're crazy, and allow your body to move. And it's like you're listening to your right arm wanting to do this, you know? And sometimes it just has to do that. And sometimes your face just kind of... Like, see, play with it. Yeah. Play, the word play is, is so amazing, and, and, and I wish we would play more. So I would encourage you to play. You know, sometimes it could be just a pencil, right? And you're just kind of like, you're just going to doodle for 10 minutes. Force yourself to doodle for the mudras, you know, they came to me, so it's it's hard. Um, like I said, I I've looked at Tibetan things. I looked at um, the statues. Like, you know, again, he this one is just doing that. And sometimes this can get tired, right? So why would you want to do it? Or if you have arthritis, why would you want to do that? And so see what works for you. Um, the uh, I would play with contraction and with release. And so see if um, sometimes you can just be be meditating and I, I'll meditate and, and it's mini mudras of, of just moving you know just one finger and uh, can I ask what, what the curiosity for the body or like what's what I what I guess I'm just experiencing that um, if I sit if, if I just have such a hard time meditating but if I do movement you know it's before I meditate, or um, I've been listening to a few days from Reggie Gray, and I just, I feel like so much more alive. Yeah. So I'm just feeling like this is my gate. Yeah. The body is going to be my gate. Yeah. People yeah. Time to but that's, that's kind of just what I'm yeah. interested in. Experience. Good. You know, you're very fortunate, because if your body's doing that, it's, it, um, you know that, that that's, that's something that you have to explore, and and um, again, my experience in the Theravada tradition is that many times there hasn't been a lot of movement. There's been a few exceptions. There was, um, I don't know if she was Cambodian or a Thai nun, and the way she meditates is she moves her arm up and down and her fingers like this. And she just does that for an hour. And she just shares that. There's another, um, Aya, Aya Voyama, and I don't know, I don't do this, but she does. <laughs> And, you know, Ayavayama, she does, um, she's the abbess of uh, the Australian non-community, and she does body meditation, sitting down, but takes one inch in the front of one side of the body, and then she moves to one inch of the back of the body, and then one inch on this side, and takes two hours, an hour, just going through body scanning. And that's enough for her to... 
really be grounded. wanted to end the, the evening. It's uh, 8.25. And um, I don't generally give talks or it's not a thing that I do, but anytime Gwen or Common Ground asks me, I just say yes. Um, I find that I have some mixed feelings about teaching. I, I don't fully know how I feel about teaching the Dharma, like I don't feel like a teacher uh, in many ways, and so it's, it's, it's kind of like a, just have mixed feelings. Um, because sometimes I, it, it bugs me that with this materialism thing that I, I'm finding teachers that want to have their, their thing, you know, and they want to get paid for their new trademarked meditation thing and buy the CDs and that kind of like, I'm afraid of that a little bit of like, will I become kind of like those, I'm selling the Dharma kind of people. Um, it's, yeah, just it scares me that, that you could turn something and, and selling it. And, and I have just so much respect for, for this community. And, uh, I think there's so much integrity here. That um, that I'm happy to say whatever you know is, um, but be be really. I hope you're thankful for having this in the Twin Cities. It's it's a it's a really nice nice place to have, and, and this retreat stuff that's happening with the land. And it's like wow, this is really 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 good. So again, thank you. It's been. It's been uh, enjoyable, and I, I look forward to seeing my mom after this. I haven't got a chance to get home yet. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.